Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Chronocar, An Urban Adventure in Time, written by Steve Bellinger. Ride along on an urban adventure in time. Imagine being born the son of a slave with the mind of a genius. That was Simi Johnson in the years following the Civil War. After a perilous escape from lynch mobs in Mississippi, he manages to earn a Ph.D. in physics at Tuskegee and in his research discovers the secret of time travel. He develops a design for a time machine called a chronocar, but the technology required to make it work does not yet exist. Fast forward 125 years. A young African-American Illinois tech student in Chicago finds Dr. Johnson's plans and builds a chronocar. He goes back to the year 1919 to meet the doctor and his beautiful daughter, Ollie, who live in Chicago's Black Belt, now known as Bronzeville. But he has chosen an unfortunate time in the past and becomes involved in the bloodiest race riot in Chicago's history. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Chrono Car. Chapter 1. August 11th. 1888. Somewhere near Jackson, Mississippi. Strongboss called out, Quitting time! Just before the whistle blew, thirty shirtless, exhausted men, their brawny bodies gleaming with sweat in the hot Mississippi sun, stopped what they were doing, not wanting to give the company a minute more than what they were getting paid for. It was a typical railroad gang. Coolies from China carried and placed the heavy ties, their bowed heads covered in traditional straw hats, and the Irishmen were trusted with actually laying the track. But the Negro men did the hardest and dirtiest work, digging ditches, moving big rocks, and some were allowed to pound in the spikes that fastened the iron to the wooden ties. Three and a half miles of fresh railroad track lay behind them, and nobody had died. It had been a good day. Simmy Johnson was in mid-swing. His Herculean arms glistened in the sun as he brought the big hammer down. His cousin Willie held the stake in place and barely got his hand away as Simmy punched it several inches into the ground with a loud plink. Only one more stroke to go. Simmy wielded the heavy mallet with ease. He was a tall, buff, handsome young black man with a gentle nature about him, qualities that did not go unnoticed by young females. But Simi had no time for women. Not now, at least. He had more important things to concern himself with, like finishing up here, collecting his pay, and getting home. The time would come when he would leave this dreadful life behind and make something of himself. Soon. Very soon. Come on, Simmy! Willie called. <laughs> we done for today. Simmy followed Willie and the other weary workers to the tool wagon, where they surrendered their picks, shovels, and hammers to Straw Boss, a wiry, middle-aged, sunburned, white man who had earned his position solely through his heritage. Put mine in a corner, Willie said, 
as he handed in his pick. I want to use the same one next week. Strawballs threw Willie's pick onto the pile. Hurry up, Simmy! Willie tugged his arm as Simmy lifted the heavy hammer to Strawboss, who almost toppled out of the wagon from the weight. A minute later, they were standing in line at the pay wagon where old Mr. Sykes distributed their wages. Sykes was a chubby old man who wore thick spectacles and a green eye shade that framed his balding head. All right, Willie J. Sykes adjusted his glasses and licked his thumb. Then he peeled off dollar bills and counted out coins as he read off Willie's pay record. Five dollars and seventy-five cents. Uh, thank you, sir. Willie bowed, which was a slight gesture, since his back naturally bent forward. Uh, Simmy Johnson, Sykes said, as he flipped through the book. Simmy stepped forward. Here you go, seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Uh, thank you, Simmy said wondering why he should thank the man for giving him the money he had worked so hard to earn. Uh, wait! Willie grabbed Simmy's arm and glared at Sykes. Why he get more than me? You didn't show up for work on Wednesday, Sykes said flatly. And you left early yesterday. Lucky I didn't fire you. Willie frowned. White man trying to cheat me, he mumbled as they stepped out of line. He's not trying to cheat you, Simmy sighed. You got to work a full day to get a full day's pay. You bad as him, Willie said, stuffing the money into his pocket. Come on, let's go get something to drink. Simmy carefully folded his money, placed it in a tattered envelope, and slipped it into his pocket. I told you before, I don't drink and I don't carouse around. Nah, man. I mean, let's go over to old Ben's and get us a cold pop. Simmy saw no harm in that, so they started down the dusty road toward town. Willie talked Black Pete into joining them. Black Pete was big, dark-skinned, and had even less sense than Willie. Simmy walked a few paces ahead of them, lost in thought. The quantity of motion, which is collected by taking the sum of the motions directed towards the same parts, and the difference of those that are directed to contrary parts suffers no change from the action of bodies among themselves. Hey, Simmy! What? Simmy scowled, annoyed at the interruption. How come it is that you so smart? Willie asked. What? I mean, you can read, you can do ciphering, you're about as smart as any white man. Simmy stopped and looked at him. Maybe. Smarter. But why? Willie said. Yeah, why? Black Pete parroted. Simmy shrugged. I guess the good Lord saw fit to bless me with a good mind. But why? Willie asked again. I don't know. Ask him. Simmy pointed toward the sky as he started walking again. It don't make no sense. Willie puzzled. Why would the Lord give them kind of smarts to a colored man? What the hell are you talking about, Willie? Simmy stopped walking again. You smart, Simmy. Smarter than all the white men we works for. But what can you do with it? Simmy turned and resumed his pace. I got plans. 
He put his hand in his pocket and felt the envelope with the money inside. Just a little more money and he could get away from this place. Then, finally, he could put his mind to work. No more pretending to be stupid, just to stay out of trouble with the white man. What kind of plans? Willie asked. I got plans. Don't worry about what kind. They are my plans. Hopefully, it is God's will that I see them through. So, you do believe these God, right? Now, what kind of question is that? Simi scowled. I'm the one who has to read the scriptures to you every night. Big Mama say you don't believe. Big Mama say you a heathen. A, 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 a heathen, Black Pete echoed. Big Mama, Simi scoffed. <laughs> what does she know? She say you study the devil, Willie said softly. The, 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 the devil, Black Pete whispered. <laughs> now, why would she say that? Because uh, she found that book under your bed. Simi stopped and faced Willie. What book? He asked, knowing full well which book. He only owned two. And what was Big Mama doing going through his things? Uh, uh, that Prince book. Willie cringed under Simi's glare. The Principia? She found my Principia? He asked, carefully using the pronunciation that Miss Abigail had taught him six years ago. Willie looked around to make sure no one could hear him. She said all that crazy writing and the lines and circles and numbers was all the work of the devil. Man, what, what you been doing? Black Pete cried. Big Mama don't know. What does she do with my book? Simmy snatched Willie by the collar. What does she do with my book? She burned it, Willie said meekly. Good thing, Black Pete said. Shut up, Pete, Simmy bellowed, and Black Pete cowered away. She burned my book? He imagined his prized possession aflame. One of the most important things he owned the thing that sparked his dream of starting a new life, he felt a tightening in his gut. She said it was the work of the devil and that it was going to ruin your soul. She burned it to protect you, to keep you and all the rest of us from going to hell. She burned my book. Simi roared as he raised his fist. Don't hit me. I didn't do it. Willie cried. Big Mama did. Simi released Willie and tried to calm himself. His Principia. He had had that book since he was 12 years old when he rescued it from the trash behind the town library. So what if the pages were tattered and the cover was torn off? It was his book. He had begged Miss Abigail, the teacher at the white children's school, to teach him to read, just so he could discover what the book was all about. After he breezed his way through all of the readers and textbooks she had, he showed her his Principia. She looked at it and dismissed it as nonsense, which Simi found to be odd since she had heard of it and even knew the correct pronunciation of the title. It turned out she had never actually seen a copy of it before, and young Simi was able to understand it all better than she could. And the knowledge, the wisdom, written 200 years ago by Sir Isaac Newton.
a genius of a man. It was as valuable to Simi as the Bible. For six years he coveted that book, and now Big Mama, in her senile ignorance, had destroyed it. Fortunately, Simi had it all memorized. What about the rest of my stuff? Simi growled. I, I, I don't know. All I saw was the book. Willie kept out of reach. Simi? Don't talk to me. Simi grumbled and walked ahead. Was it Big Mama's fault that she did not understand? She was only doing what she thought was best for her family. After all, it was she who had had the courage to rescue baby Simi when his parents were sold off and was left to die because he was sickly and of no practical value. When he got older, she had also recognized that there was something special about him, that he was a lot smarter than all of the other kids, black or white. She had taught him to hide his smarts, lest he offend some white person. He looked over his shoulder and noticed that Black Pete had fallen behind, walking slowly with a blank expression on his face. Come here, Pete. Obediently, Black Pete ran up to Simmy. What you want? Simmy sighed. Sorry, I hollered at you. That's okay, everybody does. Black Pete grinned. Simmy sadly looked at Black Pete. He used to have good sense, just like everybody else, until he'd accidentally been hit on the head with a shovel a year ago. The good lord saw fit to give Simmy a good mind, and he took Black Pete's mind away from him. I won't holler at you again, Pete. Uh, okay, Simmy. Simmy wondered if Black Pete realized that he was slow in the head, or if the Lord had been kind enough to hide the fact from him. Well, there was nothing Simmy could do now except to try to look out for him. He gave Black Pete a pat on the back of the head and walked on. Soon, he was again lost in thought. Recalling details from his beloved Principia made dealing with this terrible world a little less painful. If bodies anyhow moved among themselves are urged in the direction of parallel lines by equal accelerative forces, they will all continue to move among themselves after the same manner as if they had been urged by no such forces. It was twilight when they entered the small town with its dilapidated wooden buildings and dirt path. Only a couple of men were sitting on the porch of the saloon on the side of the road. The general store, an old house of gray weathered wood, sat in the middle of it all. The upstairs windows were boarded up. A couple of rocking chairs sat on the porch, and rusty metal signs advertising cigarettes, booze, and soft drinks hung on the outside. They walked up the steps, and the proprietor, a short, wrinkly old white man with a scraggly beard, came out to meet them at the door. You know you boys can't come in here, old Ben said, chewing on a corncob pipe. We just want some cold pop. All the yes. Yes, sir, Willie bowed. Okay, three great pops. Wait here. Old Ben disappeared inside. I, 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 I don't like grape, Black Pete protested. I like orange. 
White man thinks all we like is grape. Then grape pop is what you get, Willie admonished. Okay, Willie, Black Pete said. Simmy shook his head and sighed when Black Pete and Willie performed like cowering coons in front of this dim-witted old white man. It was going to be up to Simmy to get out of this stinking hole and make something of himself so that black people could hold their heads high in the future. Well, his descendants, at least. Old Ben came back with three sweaty bottles of purple liquid. That'll be six cents. The sign says a penny a bottle, Simmy said flatly. Six cents, old Ben repeated. Simmy gave the old man six pennies. It took a moment for old Ben to count the money. All right, now, you boys go round back and drink that, you hear? Yes, sir. Willie bowed again. Old Ben went back inside while Willie and Black Pete made their way behind the store. Simmy gazed at the darkening sky. While other men dreamed of freedom or wealth, Simmy dreamed of stars and planets, and of time and space, and how it all worked according to Mr. Newton. The full moon was high, surrounded by a sprinkling of tiny lights. One very bright star was just a little to the left, the brightest one in the sky. Simmy knew it wasn't a star. It was the planet Venus, orbiting around the sun, just like Earth. That Mercury and Venus revolve around the sun is evident from their moon-like appearances. When they shine out with a full face, they are, in respect of us, beyond or above the sun. When they appear half full, they are about the same height on one side or other of the sun. When horned, they are below or between us and the sun, and they are sometimes, when directly under, like spots, traversing the sun's disk. He took a sip from his bottle, amazing the planets, the earth, all revolving around the sun, thanks to an almost magical thing called gravity. The planets move in ellipses, which have their common focus in the center of the sun, and by radii drawn to that center. Boy, what in the hell do you think you're doing? Uh, what? Simmy looked down to see old Ben's scowling face. I told you to drink that around back. You think you can do what you want around here, nigger? He slapped the bottle from Simmy's hand, and it rolled down the dirt road, leaving a trail of foamy liquid. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Simmy, a giant of a man compared to old Ben, backed away. I'll just leave, all right? What's going on over there, Ben? A young white man stepped out of the saloon and crossed the road. Uh, he told me to drink the pop around back, but I forgot. I started drinking it here. Uh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, Simmy said as he glanced over at Willie and Black Pete, who were peeking around the corner of the building. Terror shone in their eyes. Ain't nobody talking to you, boy. Shut your nigger mouth, the man said. He disrespected me, Chad. What's going to hit me, too? That's not true. Simmy protested. You calling old Ben a liar? Jed growled. You just want smart-ass nigger, ain't you? I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. Jed 
unbuckled his belt and yanked it out from his belt loops. Now, take your pants down. I'm going to give you a whipping you ain't never going to forget. Simmy's head was spinning. Willie and Black Pete were long gone. Other white men looked out of windows and peeked out of doorways. Just accept the humiliation and take the whipping, he reasoned. But he knew it would not end there. Simmy was bigger and stronger than Jed and could probably handle two or three men like him. But he knew if he was not very careful, he would be hanging from a tree somewhere in the woods before the night was over. He needed to think fast. I said take your pants down, boy. Jed reached over and pulled Simmy's pants. To every action, there is always an opposite and equal reaction. Simmy planted a huge fist in Jed's face. Blood splattered. Jed fell to the ground and lay motionless. Old Ben shrieked. You killed him! You murdering nigger! You done killed Jed! Just knocked him out, Simmy said quietly. He'll be okay. You killed him! Damned nigger that killed Jed! Old Ben yelled. Several men were now on the street, trying to make out what was going on in the moonlight. Old Ben was bent over Jed, crying and screaming. Simmy took off and ran. This was every Negro man's worst nightmare, and one Simmy had lived with every day. It was damned near impossible for a black man to not get into trouble. It had been 23 years since the war had ended, and his people were supposed to be free. But the South was still a very dangerous place for a black man. He had managed to avoid problems up until now, staying to himself and prudently taking the insults and abuse when they came. Another month or so, and he would have been free of all of this. Simmy ran as hard as he could, his legs and arms aching from a full day of back-breaking work. For several hours, he hid in the dark woods, concealing himself in trees and bushes, playing hide-and-seek with the lynch mobs. Around midnight, he found himself on a ridge overlooking the shantytown that he called home. Some white men were going door-to-door, door, bursting into the ramshackled houses, sometimes dragging some poor soul outside and beating the hell out of him and carrying him off. Simi watched, torn between reveling in the good fortune of having escaped the violence and feeling badly for those who had not. Later, long after the last of the posse was gone, he made his way home. Oh, Lord, it's Simmy! Willie looked terrified when he cracked open the door. Give him his mess and send him off, Big Mama said. She was a slight, wrinkled, dark-skinned old woman in a dingy white dress. Simmy saw her sitting in the corner, waving her frail fist in the air. Don't let that heathen back in this house! Willie pushed a burlap sack through the half-open door. You know they got poor old Black Pete. They beat him something awful and took him. Probably hanging from some tree branch by now. They got Black Pete? Simmy said as he swallowed a lump in his throat. He looked in the bag 
which contained all of his clothes he had in the world, his Bible, his pencil, his notebook, and a small box of matches. Poor boy there, cuz you, Big Mama called from inside. Go on, before you get us all killed. Bye, Simmy, Willie said sheepishly as he closed the door. Simmy felt guilty about Black Pete, but there was nothing he could do for him. He was with the Lord now. Maybe Black Pete was the lucky one. Simmy went around the back of the house and paced fifty feet into the woods. Using one of the half-dozen matches, he located the spot in the dirt, dug up the old whiskey bottle that contained his savings, and broke it against a rock. When he added his wages for the week, it totaled to the amount of $63.37, more than enough to get him where he wanted to go. Twenty minutes later, he was deep in the woods again, guided by the light of the full moon. His plan was to get to the train yard, hop a freight, and when he was far enough away, purchase a proper train ticket. Cold and exhausted after eleven hours of slinging a hammer and moving heavy boulders, he was in no condition to be on the run. He wanted to stop, start a fire, warm up, and rest for a few minutes. He heard barking in the distance. Dogs! Damn! They never give up! He risked lighting a match for a second to check his compass, then headed east. When he reached the stream, he stripped naked and tossed his clothes as high as he could into the trees. He washed himself in the chilly water and put on a clean shirt and pants from his bag. He soaked his shoes before putting them back on. It was going to be uncomfortable, but he hoped it would throw the dogs off his scent. On the other side of the stream, he walked another half mile or so where he found a large tree with gigantic branches that would make a nice cradle. He climbed up and made himself as comfortable as possible, nearly twenty feet above ground. Damp and shivering, he used his back as a pillow and settled in for the night. Not daring to sleep for fear, he would either not hear the approach of a lynch mob or fall out of the tree. The force of gravity considered downward from the surface of the planets decreases nearly in the proportion of the distances from their centers. If the matter of the planet were of an uniform density, this proposition would be accurately true. Stars winked in and out as leaves above fluttered in the wind. How far away could those stars be, he thought. Is that even a number that can describe the distance? The absolute wonder of God's creation, so beautiful and so precise. Beyond belief, but not beyond understanding. From the planets and the stars in the sky to the leaves on the trees, men can understand. Semi felt that he could understand if he had had the chance to read more and learn. There had to be so much more than in the Principia. How much more knowledge had been acquired in the two centuries since Mr. Newton? Perhaps he would still get the chance if he could get the hell out of Jackson alive. So long had he saved his money and planned. Just a few more days 
and he would have left anyway. If only he had not been forced to punch that white man. Maybe he should have just swallowed his pride this time and bowed and shuffled like a good nigger. If only he had gone around the back of the store with Willie and Black Pete. If only he had just gone straight home after work like he usually did. He'd be sleeping in his warm bed now instead of perched, cowering, wet, and cold. In a tree. Black Pete would still be alive too. Absolute true and mathematical time of itself and from its own nature flows equably without regard to anything external and, by another name, is called duration. What if he could go back? Back to the time before the encounter with old Ben and Jed. The choice to go for that fateful bottle of pop was like a fork in the road. That simple choice had completely changed the course of his life. Was it possible to go back to that fork? Was there some way he could go back, knowing which choice was best, and forego the cold drink for the safety of home? Was that somehow possible? Off in the distance, he heard a dog howling. Simi lay quietly as the baying got louder. They could not have possibly followed him here, could they? Come on, Pips! Simmy heard a man talking to his hound. I know you smell him. You got him, don't you? Simmy trembled when the dog ran up to his tree, barking wildly. Yeah, you got him, Pips. The man yanked the dog back and yelled up the tree. You up there, nigger? Might as well come down if you is. Simmy held his breath. Was this it? Was this the end? All right, boy. I gave you a chance. I'll get just as much for you dead as alive. Simmy heard him cock the rifle. He closed his eyes and tensed his muscles. Lord, thy will be done. He prayed to himself, waiting for the sting of the bullet. Bang! There was a rustle in the tree above. Something fell and hit Simmy's chest. Startled, he brushed it off and heard it fall to the ground. The hell is this? Pips, it's a damn squirrel, you stupid biscuit-eating bitch. We ain't out to get no damn squirrels. Pips went wild, yelping and trying to climb the tree. Get back here, you good-for-nothing. The dog squealed as a man yanked him by the rope around its neck. Gonna pay a lot of money for that nigger's ass, and you goddamn chasing squirrels. Come on! The yelling and barking grew softer as Simmy watched the bouncing light of the man's lantern disappear into the woods. The gnarled branches held him securely as he glanced up at the starry night one last time before falling asleep. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Chrono Car. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.